Amen. Thank you for sharing that song with us today. I'm glad I got to hear that one twice. Man, I tell you, that was good. If you would, take your Bible, please. Turn with me to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 16. Last week, we ended in verse 22. Today, we're going to pick up there in verse number 23. I thank you for being with us today, and I tell you what, we've got some folks I've noticed have been playing hooky ever since I got back from vacation. They were coming to church before I went, and they're not coming back yet. So you folk at home that are watching online, we miss you up here. We might have technical trouble some Sunday. You better get back here. And join in with us. We need you. It's good when we can be together as the people of God. We had a good first service. We had a good crowd. I think we had 70 in that service. And looks like we've got that many in this one, if not maybe a few more. But it's good just to uh, join with God's people. I want to preach on this theme this morning. Is hell a real place? Now, I know that's an unusual subject, but that's one that we need to look at. We, I would be remiss if I did not preach this after last Sunday, getting right here on this same passage of Scripture. Folks would have thought I was evading the subject of hell. And the Lord led me just to come right back here and sort of talk about this for a little bit this morning. Is hell a real place? Would you bow with me as we pray? Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. I pray that you speak to our hearts now as we examine this passage of Scripture. Help us to see it and the truth of it. Help us to understand exactly what the Scripture is saying in this Scripture. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you may, may know and are well aware, there are many people in our culture today that doubt the existence of hell. There are many people today that would debate you on the subject of hell. They would take the position that hell is not real, that hell is not a real place. There are many today that would say to you something like this, you will never convince me that a loving God would ever send anyone to hell. Well, let me tell you, friend, do I need to remind us today that many people in our nation are deceived? There's a lot of deception going on in the world today. Not only do we see it on the news we see it in the doctor's reports. We see it when everybody are speaking and uh, about all kinds of subjects in our day and time that they do not believe that, that well, there's just a lot of deception about truth. And that deception, I believe, comes from one source, and that's the devil. You see, the devil wants to deceive us. If there's one characteristic about the devil that I think rises to the top and is paramount, it's the word deception. The devil will deceive and he certainly does. 
If he can get you convinced that there is no hell and get you convinced that God would never send anyone to hell, he can get you right where he wants you to be many, many times. One of the things that I find interesting in the scripture when I begin to study the New Testament, I find that Jesus is the primary one in scripture that speaks about hell. Now if you take for a moment the Apostle Paul, Simon Peter, Jude, the writer John who wrote the gospel and he wrote the book of Revelation. When you take those four writers that penned the majority of the rest of the New Testament other than the gospels, they speak very little about hell. They don't have a lot that they say about hell when we begin to look at them and we begin to analyze those, those Bible writers. But yet, they warn a judgment. They warn of the wrath of God to come. They talk about the need of salvation to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, although they directly, many times, do not get and talk about hell. Well, that brings us to a real interesting insight in Scripture. In the New Testament, the one who talked about hell more than any other person is Jesus himself. The one who left heaven and came to this earth in the form of a man to die upon the cross came for the very reason of giving eternal life and saving a person from going to hell. Jesus himself is the one that talks and gives most of what we know about hell. I find that very, very refreshing, don't you? And I find it very interesting as well. You see, it was at the heart of Jesus. It was at the heart of His love and compassion for people that He did not want anyone to die unsaved and to spend an eternity in hell. Listen to some of the words of Jesus for a moment. Matthew chapter 5 verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is better, more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Those were both in Matthew 5 and Matthew 10. Matthew 18, 8 and 9. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye, rather having two eyes, to be cast into hell fire. Chapter 23, verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and you Pharisees and you hypocrites! 
You travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourself. Chapter 23, 33. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Every single one of those verses of Scripture were mentioned and recorded as Jesus spoke Himself. Now the reason that I read all of those from the book of Matthew is they're not repeats. Jesus said all of these at various times to various people in various places. We didn't jump from Matthew and Mark and John and, and uh, Luke because you get a lot of repeat stories in the Gospels, as we know. Every single one of those were Jesus warning people. People who heard Him preach. People who heard Him teach. People that were interested in hearing what He had to say. He warned them consistently about hell. And said, you don't want to die lost and spend an eternity in hell. Well, that brings us to our text today in Luke chapter 16. And again, this, these are the words of Jesus. This is a story that Jesus told. Some people call it a parable. They think maybe this was a parable that Jesus told. I personally believe it was a true story that Jesus knew about being omniscient as he was. In fact, Billy Graham actually talked about this story when he talked about the rich young ruler. And he took the rich young ruler, the rich man who tore down his barns and built other barns and died the next day, and then this story of the rich man in Lazarus, Billy Graham put all of those together and said this is one story about one man and three different stages of his life. And he was lost without Jesus. He went to hell and was going to spend eternity in hell lost without Jesus Christ. Well, let's come to the story. Let's just jump in here and let's look at the words of Jesus Himself and what He says. There are three things that basically I have pulled out of this story that I want to emphasize that I think help us understand something of what hell is, where it is, what it is like, and, and who's going to go to hell. And I want us to just look at this for a moment. Begin looking at verse 24 with me for a moment. This is the, the man crying out, and he, and he cried out, the rich man who was in hell. He cried out and said, Father Abraham, now that's essentially he's, he's praying to God. That's what is represented there. Uh, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in these flames. Now right there we see that hell is a place where the body is going to be. This man had eyes. He had his faculties. He had his tongue. And he said, and, and put cool water on my tongue. 
Well, the first thing that I want us to notice about this place called hell is this. It's very simple. It is a place of torment. Notice the Bible says that this man was tormented in these flames. In fact, the word torment is mentioned twice in these verses. Here was a man who was experiencing tremendous torment. Now you might say, and it is true, that the torment that he's feeling there and sensing there is this fire and brimstone because we know from this passage that hell is a place of fire. It's a place where the body is going to be burned but not consumed. The flesh is going to be burned but not burned up. Because hell is an eternal place, just like heaven is eternal, as it is an eternal place. But this fire and brimstone is not the only torment that I think we find in this scripture in relation to hell. Notice what Jesus says to this man. He says to this man, don't you remember that in your lifetime... You had good things, but Lazarus had nothing. He was a beggar. But in all of your life, you had all of these good things, but now you have none of them. The key, I think, in that verse of Scripture is that word, remember. Now think about this for a moment. Not only is hell a place of fire and brimstone, but it's a place of Vivid memory. It's a place where a person can just video replay all of their life. You know, I'll do that some nights when I go to bed and I can't go to sleep. I'll just get some good thoughts that have happened in my past. And I'll think about those good thoughts to maybe get bad thoughts off of my mind. And you know, all of us in this room, we have memories We remember from our childhood. We remember from our teenage years. We remember from our adult years. Some of our memories are good and some of our memories are not so good, aren't they? There are some things we've done in the past we'd like to just forget and not think about them again, but they come up from time to time. The memory is a real part of who we are as a people. And in this situation, this man who died and went to hell had a vivid memory of his past. He remembered all of those times that he rejected Jesus Christ as his Savior, I'm sure. He remembered all of those good things that he had and now he doesn't have any. I believe one of the worst things in hell not only will be the fire and brimstone and the physical suffering of pain, but the mental anguish and the fleshly cravings of alcohol when you can't get any, of drug addiction when you can't get a fix, all of these things, the lust to to be satisfied, and there is no satisfaction to satisfy the lust that you have. And you will spend all eternity, all eternity, not only being tormented in the flames, but being tormented by 
the memories and the appetites and the unsatisfied lust, the unsatisfied addictions that a person might have. Because, friend, listen, if you are a drug addict and you die of an overdose and you go to hell and spend eternity, that, that, that fix is never going to happen. And you're going to suffer that craving for an eternal life in hell separated from God. The same for anyone who lusts and has the lust of the flesh that just consumes their life. The same thing. Hell is a place of torment. One of the verses that we find in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 46 and 48, it goes something like this in the old King James word. It says about hell, where the worm dies not. What's he talking about there? Where the worm dies not. I mean, I've heard preachers preach about worms down in hell trying to eat at everybody's flesh. I don't think that's what he's talking about there. I think he's talking about the eternal nature of hell and these lustful cravings that will go on in hell. The worm dies not. It is an eternal place of torment. But there's a second thing we see in this scripture as we read a little further. Go down to verse 26 with me for a moment. God says to this rich man who's asking for cool water to be placed on his tongue by Lazarus. He, he, God answers him and says, well, wait a minute. Besides all this, Lazarus can't come between us and you. There is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from there to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us that's interesting isn't it God is saying in this passage of scripture that hell is a place far from heaven first of all it's a place of torment second of all, of all it's a place that's Far from heaven. He says there's a great gulf fixed between heaven and hell. The rich man was in hell. Lazarus is in heaven with God. And God says he's up here with us. And he can't come down there to be where you're at. And my friend, that's exactly right. There's not any passing from hell to heaven if you change your mind. If you try to pray and repent. No, that will not happen in hell. If a person dies and goes to hell, that's an eternal separation from God. There is a great gulf fixed that the people cannot pass back and forth from one to the other. Heaven is a glorious place. Hell is a grievous place. I want to turn to a couple of verses, if you'll turn there with me for a moment in your Bible. The book of Revelation, chapter number 21, and then 22. We're going to look at a couple of verses there for a moment. But I want to just look at what the Bible describes that the people who die and go to hell are like. Now let me tell you something, friend. Anybody that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and dies lost, 
no matter how good they are or how bad they are, they will spend an eternity in hell. There are people that have died and gone to hell that have been outstanding people morally in life, but they didn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then some of the worst criminals in all of history of the world have died and gone to hell just as well. And all kinds of people in between. So when we read these verses of, of the kinds of people in hell, don't be fooled by that, friend. The Bible makes it clear there's one thing that will send a person to hell, and it's not the number of sins you commit. It's the fact that a person does not believe in Jesus and place their faith in Him. That's why they go to hell. But listen to Revelation for a moment. Chapter 21 and verse 27 but there shall by no means enter into heaven anything that defiles or causes abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now God is in heaven. This beggar was in heaven. And God said to the rich man in hell, You cannot pass from there to be in heaven with us. Now, I'm going to summarize here because you didn't believe in Jesus. You've never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. You've never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You've never become a part of who Christ is and repented of your sin. Your name was never written in the Lamb's book of life. My friend, the only way you're, you and I are ever going to get to heaven is if our name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And that comes by trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Amen. Now look at chapter 22 for a moment. And we go down to verse number 14. And he begins to describe in the book of Revelation those people that are outside of heaven. Now friend, if they're outside of heaven, where does that tell you they are? They're in hell. Because there's only two places. There's only heaven and hell. There's not outside of heaven somewhere out there in the universe spinning around. No, it's heaven or hell. And so in Revelation when it says these are outside the gate. They're outside the new Jerusalem. They're outside the holy city of heaven. Then Jesus tells us they're in hell. And here's, here's a list. Verse 15, but outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexual immoral and murderers, idolater, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Now, that's not an exhaustive list. That's just a list that John gave in his writing to show there are people that cannot go to heaven because their life has never been changed by Jesus. Now it started out with that word dog. You know that doesn't mean dogs are in hell or dogs are in heaven. I don't think dogs live after they die. They're just gone, okay? They don't have a soul. They're not going to live in eternity, okay? But the reason he used that word dogs is that was a derogatory term that was used in 
the time of Bible days. In fact, to the matter is, Paul used it himself. And he used it in the third chapter of the book of Philippians. And he talked about dogs as a derogatory term of those who despised the cross and were enemies of the cross and despised the love of Jesus Christ. And so John picks that term up. And he says they're dogs outside, ungodly, unlost people, sorcerers, that's Satanists, witchcraft, idolatry of every kind. That word also can mean uh, pharmaceuticals, drugs, and drug addiction, and, and all of that, sexual immoral, all kinds of sexual deviance, whether it be fornication, adultery, homosexuality, whatever it may be murderers, idolaters, those that are idol worships that do not worship Christ. I mean, he covers, he covers the gamut in that verse of Scripture of the people that are going to be the residents that make up hell. Paul does similar to that in the book of Corinthians. And in the book of Corinthians, he's writing to the Corinthian Christians, and he uses a similar list as that, and he says these words, and some of us were like that, but we've been saved, we have been changed, we have been forgiven, and we're now a new creature in Christ. Now I want you to listen to me very clearly at what I'm about to say, friend. Nobody is going to go to hell because they're sex addict. Nobody is going to go to hell because they're a liar or a thief. No one is going to go to hell because they're a murderer or any of these other things we've listed. No. A person is going to go to hell because they rejected Jesus. They rejected the love of Christ. They rejected Jesus' death on the cross to pay for their sin. They refused to believe in Jesus for their salvation and blood atonement and the cleansing of their sin. Because you see, friend, every one of us have a list that long of bad sins we've done. Jesus says, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. If you lust after another man or woman, you're guilty of adultery with them. So my friend, it's not that we're perfect people. We're sinners saved by the grace of God. And the only reason that a person is going to go to hell is they've refused and rejected Jesus as their Savior and have gone ahead and lived in their lifestyle of sin. Heaven is a place of torment. It's a place far from heaven. But notice verse 27, and we're going to close right here. He said to Father Abraham, God, I beg you, Father, I beg you that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torments. Notice how he changed his prayer. He said, okay, if Lazarus can't come and dip his 
finger in cool water and put it on my tongue, at least let him come back and preach to my brothers. I've got five of them. Warn them lest they come to this awful place of torment. Heaven is a place of unanswered prayer. This man's prayer did not get answered. Neither does anybody else's prayer in hell get answered. My friend, listen. God said, no. I'm not going to send Lazarus back. I've already told you he can't pass from here and come back anywhere. He can't come back to earth. He can't come back anywhere. And he says, after all, I will just tell you. They have, your brothers have Moses and the prophets. They can hear them. They will warn them of this place of hell lest they come here. Now, friend, listen. Do you know what Jesus was saying to him? He was saying they can go to the synagogue and they can hear the prophets and the book of uh, Moses read. In that day, the Bible was not this thick. The Bible in that day was about this thick. It was the only the Old Testament. That's what he means by Moses and the prophets, the Old Testament. They have the Old Testament. The Old Testament tell them about hell. The Old Testament will tell them about the coming Messiah. The Old Testament will tell them how to be saved. He said, no, they have the preaching and teaching of the prophets and the Bible. Now listen, friend, today we have the entirety of Scripture. We not only have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. We have the words of Jesus. We have all of the Gospels. We have all the Epistles. We have the book of Revelation. And so here's what Jesus is saying to this rich man in hell about how to get warning to his five brothers back on earth. He says, here's how to get warning to them. They need to listen to the preaching of the Gospel. They need to listen to the witness of other Christians that tell the story of salvation. They need to listen to the witness of the entire scripture. Because if they don't believe the teaching and witness of the entire scripture, and if they do not believe the message of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, they will not believe Though somebody else, like the Lazarus, came back and tried to warn them, they wouldn't believe it either. My friend, listen to me. God is saying to you and I, we, as a part of the body of Christ, we preachers, we soul winners, we witnesses, all of us that are sitting out there, we are the people that Jesus is depending on. To warn the lost people of hell. To tell the gospel story of Jesus Christ. To say to people, you need to come to Jesus Christ and receive forgiveness of sin in order to be saved. That's the plan that God has in place to warn people about coming to hell. I think the Apostle Paul probably summed it up, I believe, In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, right around verse 27, the best of anybody that I've ever read in Scripture, 
Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, We have been saved by the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness of preaching. God has chosen to save those who will believe in Jesus. Now you might say, how, how crude is that to call the preaching of the cross foolishness? But now, don't miss what Paul was saying. Paul was not saying he thought that the preaching of the cross was foolishness. Paul said the preaching of the cross we have believed and the preaching of the cross that we have believed is the power of God unto salvation that saved us and set us free and set us free from our bondages and addiction and it's through the preaching and the power of the cross that we've been freed and liberated in Jesus. But what Paul is saying is if you look at what the world thinks, the world thinks that the preaching of the cross is foolishness. The world thinks there is no hell. The world thinks that preaching does no good. The world thinks, whoa, tell me about Jesus and what he's done in your life. I really could care less about hearing any of those things. And the world stops their ears up to the preaching of the cross. And that's what Paul is trying to say. He's saying the world out there to begin with doesn't believe there's a hell. They don't believe man is going to stand before God in judgment. They think a person's just going to live and die and that's the end of it and they, they cease to exist and they don't understand. And he says to the world, when you're telling them about the story of Jesus and the preaching of cross, they think it's foolish. But one of these days they're going to wake up in hell and find out just how real that preaching was. You know, I thought about that all week long. And I began to think about foolish people and foolish things. And I believe the most foolish thing that I could think of, that I believe has happened in our time, or happened in the world, not our time here, but in the world, in the time that the world's been in existence, happened a way long time ago, thousands of years ago, when an old crippled man grabbed a hammer and a nail and he cut down some wood and he began to nail that wood and he called it an ark. And he began to bray more of that wood and he began to nail more of that wood on an ark. And he began to say to the people, listen, you better join in here and help me because God is going to destroy the world by water. And they laughed at him. They mocked at him. They called him an old fool. They called him senile. But he kept building that ark, one plank after another. And he got his family, and they began to help him. And there were eight of them that were building that ark, Noah and his family. And the world thought he was the biggest fool they'd ever seen because he said, God's going to destroy the world by water. And they said, well, we'd never even seen that much water. There's nothing like that ever going to happen. Finally, that ark was finished, and God said, Noah, get your family and get on board with all the animals. And God shut the door, and it began to rain. And all of a sudden, those people that thought how fool Noah was, how foolish to build an ark, not even close to water. How are you going to get a big boat, even to the ocean, building it this far away? Their eyes begin to open when the floods begin to come up. And my friend, the Noah's Day flood is not a myth 
No more than hell is a myth. It is proven in archaeology and proven in history that the world was destroyed by a flood in Noah's day, but nobody wanted to believe it. But it happened. And I'm here to tell you, friend, we're living in a world. There are plenty of skeptics out there. And they say, well, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe a loving God would send anybody to hell. I just don't buy into all of that religion. My friend, listen. You and I have got a message that the world calls foolishness. But we better be preaching it. We better tell them there's only one man that was ever died and resurrected that you could be saved and miss hell. And that's Jesus. And he said, if I emptied hell and they came back to tell you don't come there, you wouldn't believe because a man is stubborn in his sinful pride. Only the power of God and the Holy Spirit of God and hearing the word of God can break the pride that grips a heart that takes a person to hell. If you don't know Jesus today, I hope you'll trust him. I hope you'll give him your heart and life. Would you just bow with me as we pray before invitation? If you would just cry out these words to Jesus right now, he would save you. Lord Jesus, right now, I don't want to go to hell. I want to come to heaven. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you wash me in your blood? Would you deliver me from these bondages and shackles and these addictions that I'm that I'm cursed with set me free and I give you my heart I give you my life forgive me and cleanse me by your blood and I'll serve you and live for you for the rest of my days I want to come to heaven to be with you for all eternity thank you Jesus for saving me and changing my life amen my friend if you prayed that prayer God saved you and he'll change you we're going to stand together and sing and if you prayed that prayer with me would you come forward and let me know this altar's open also for you to pray for friends and family and others that you're burdened for would you come right now